All right. Just a couple of columnists from the Tulsa world talking sports, Garen Amig and Bill Haston, doing it visually, doing it via podcast, however you want to consume the content, we will provide it uh, usually in the written word, but today we're, uh, we're multimedia and visiting about current events and future columns. Uh, Bill, it's good to see you again. It's going to talk to you about uh, the headlines that continue to be made in college football, both at Oklahoma State, well, really, all three schools, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Tulsa, all three turning over uh, some staff members and the roster. And uh, all eyes, I think, this morning, today, we're taping on Friday on uh, Mike Gundy and a potential uh, discovery of a uh, Jim Knowles replacement in Derek Mason. Right. right. Uh, so apparently, and, and you say you, you've already recorded today's video with Eli. So, mm -hmm. you know, apparently Derek Mason, the Auburn, and you ask yourself, why would why would an Auburn defensive coordinator making a million five want to leave the SEC? And then you're like, well, because Auburn is the college football capital of instability, and they've that you know in the time that Mike got, how many head coaches have they had at Auburn just since Mike Gundy's been the head guy at OSU? I mean, like four or five. So, um, I do remember, you know, uh, one of the coaches' film room. Uh, shows that ESPN does during the championship game, Derek Mason and Gundy were in the same room. And like a couple of days after that was the pep rally for Chuba and Tylen Wallace that they were going to come back to OSU. Yeah. And I remember Mike talking about Derek Mason and he's a sharp guy, very impressive guy. And hmm. um, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I think Mike's done it twice. And I think that's when he did it with Derek was, was that year. But um uh, like you mentioned before we started rolling, uh, Derek Mason coordinated the Stanford defense that OSU faced 10 years ago. Wow, 10 years ago uh, in the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, so that would be a little bit of a departure. Mike's never really hired a defensive coordinator who was currently a defensive coordinator at a Power Five. It's never happened before. It's usually been a promotion type situation. Derek Mason's 52. Pretty highly regarded as a defensive guy, had a tough patch as the head guy at Vanderbilt. Right. I would ask you who's gonna who who out there is gonna go to Vanderbilt and flourish as a head coach. It's mission impossible. It's the toughest job in the country. So um yeah, it looks like like uh, OSU is maybe that close. Uh I had a nice visit last night with Luke Olson, the new uh defensive coordinator at TU. Mm -hmm. Uh couldn't have been more impressed. Garen, uh, he's 32. He's a Tulsa native. He was a good player for Kirk Frederick at Union. That's how young this guy is, uh, 32 years old. And uh, I couldn't have been more impressed uh, from my 20-some-odd uh, minutes of talk time with Luke Olson. So I think, you know, because he was there with Brent Guy when Brent was the defensive coordinator, coordinator with Bill Young and then with Joseph Gillespie. So – all that time in those rooms, all those hours of talk and study and, and you know, you just you just think Luke Olson has taken some from all of those guys. I think that's a good play for for TU to promote him. And I'll, I'm, I'm just glad to see, you know, a young guy get a shot at a coordinator job at a D1. So uh, couldn't couldn't be more impressed with uh, Zach, the Derek Mason situation. Apparently he was in Stillwater, what, two days ago? Um and was there enough to have gotten a tour of everything? I mean, long enough to have gotten a tour mm -hmm. of everything. So that's, that feels like a cert, uh, if not imminent, yeah. 
on the brink of becoming imminent, if that makes any sense. No, it does. It does. It's interesting, Bill. Um, Mike Gundy thrives with culture guys, and, and he references that mostly with regard to his players, right? But it's also applic applicable to his staff. And he has a long, uh, long list of long-serving lieutenants on that staff, and and yet the coordinators that he's brought in don't always jibe with that that culture. They're, they're whether it's Mike Yersich from, or was it Shippensburg? I think right. one, yeah, Jim Knowles, yeah, uh, Sean Gleason and Jim Knowles both had Ivy League connections, mm -hmm. and now here comes Derek Mason, who's a little more connected to this level of football, but not so much this part of the country. Stanford, once upon a time, SEC lately. But Gundy is, what, what I'm saying, Gundy is, has shown that both, both can work. Whether, whether your culture or not, you can, you can adapt to it and still thrive, as uh, most of these coordinators have. Right. Well, and then you couldn't have a guy who was more of an outlier with regard to personality, methodology, habits, choosing his own. Uh, I mean, everybody else comes to work at 6 a.m. He shows up at 9.45. Dana Holgerson really yeah, yeah. is not a fit in that regard. And yet I would, I, to this day, I would argue he's the most important assistant coach Mike's ever had, even now. And he was there one year, not even a year, 10 months or whatever. So, uh, but, you know, to me, it's, it's culture is about more than just uh, the rah-rah part of it. It's... Um, it, it's, it's, you know, when you have a situation of need or a situation that, that is crying for change, mm -hmm. uh, can that guy get that done? You don't have that with OSU right now. What you have is you're hoping to sustain. You know, when, and the new coordinator will have his fingerprints on whatever they're going to look like or how they're going to perform, certainly, but he's not coming into a crisis situation. He's right. coming to a great situation, which it's unimaginable to me that, you know, we always refer to the 2011 Cowboys because that was the most accomplished team they've ever had over there with regard mm -hmm. to 12 wins, conference title, and a BCS Bowl victory. Right. Uh, that defense is 107th in the country in yards allowed. I mean, they got a takeaways like crazy, 44 of them. But with regard to giving up the classic bend but don't break, I mean, they were kind of the epitome of that. So what you have now is a much more uh, – is what you want mm -hmm. with regard to getting stops, actually getting stops. And so you're looking to sustain. And is if it's Derek Mason, can Derek Mason sustain or improve? Yeah. There's still room for improvement. They can get better. Um, but uh, it's just it, – I, I don't know that I ever thought thought I would see a Mike Gundy football team be quite what this team was yeah. this year. It was – all the years I was on the beat, all but like one year, they were no better than 93rd in yards allowed. Bill Young's first defense, I think, was 31st in the country in yards allowed. And so this year was just an amazing departure. And hopefully for OSU, you know, a sign of things to come. Uh, maybe that that's going to be a signature piece of the program from now on is game, not just that they win in spite of the defense, but it, in some weeks and in this year case, this year, several games, they win because of the defense. Mm -hmm. That's what you're trying to sustain over there. I'm going to throw a statement out regarding OU football. I want your opinion on it. Uh, everything that seems to be happening 
with regard to the Sooners is connected in one way or another to USC, whether it's the trauma McCutcheon committing to USC, the, the, the cornerback who transferred on the heels of Mario Williams, the wide receiver who's transferred over there, uh, where the clock continues to tick on, on when Caleb Williams makes his decision. Again, money continues to be on SC as his next destination. You have Jackson Dart, the former USC quarterback, trying to figure out if he wants to join the Sooners, Ole Miss, or I guess BYU, if you want to throw a third horse in the Derby. Uh, my opinion statement or whatever you want to call it would be, uh, this is all intriguing, but I'm not sure it's the benefit of the OU football program to have the, you know what I mean? To have this, there, there needs to be a final shoe dropping, I guess, on this story for, 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 for the sake of moving forward. And I know that this is the nature of this kind of thing, especially when a, a, a coach, the profile of Lincoln Riley makes a move, the profile of Oklahoma to USC, and there is a lot of residue from it. But boy, it sure feels like this this is going to be better off for all parties, including the fan bases, Oklahoma's in particular, when the last decision is made. To get beyond it. Yep. Yeah. No, I'm with you. No, it's it's it, it's just like uh, it's like a wound that you keep. You don't you got to let it heal. And so, I mean, not, but I'm the first one to hold up my hand and say, I can't wait to watch an Oklahoma Southern Cal football game. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, right. I mean, you, you talk about low hanging fruit on storylines. Um, I, I hope it happens. I, you know, I, I think USC is a couple of years away from maybe more than that, but a couple of years away from uh, being at that level or does OU drop to that level where those two would be together in a, a not so significant ball game. Maybe it's the Alamo. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, no, it's going to be uh, – I think until you get actual football activity that we can see and talk about in March and April and you have access to Brent as the head coach and you see what this is going to look like. You know, this I, – I, I, I'm so hypocritical or so split on the how I feel about the freedom of movement mm -hmm. and the NIL – because it's undeniable that you should give these guys the flexibility to do what the coaches do, which is move around at the same time. And I hate the uh, roster turnover. And if mm -hmm. I'm a, if I'm a, a ticket manager for one of these universities and my job every year is to sell 50,000 at OSU or 68,000 at OU or whatever, and you don't even know what the roster is going to look like. You don't know right. who the going to be. That's a, that's, a, that's a tough deal. And you know what? If you're a consumer, that's a tough deal. That's mm -hmm. a tough decision to make. So, no, it, it, I, I just think that the, the, the hurt feelings and the rage uh, on the Oklahoma end of this deal will begin to subside when we get a daily dose of Brent as the head guy on the field, spring practice, 15 of them. 14 of them in a spring game um, and you get to know the new staff and you get to know the new personnel. And then, and then you, you quit uh, obsessing about Lincoln so much and you pay attention to what's going on here. Yeah. You've teased uh, your Sunday column topic in, in an email that, that I've been privy to. And I, I can't wait to see the finished product. I have a feeling that readers are going to love it as, as much as I anticipate it. So can, without giving away the, the word for word, 
give give everyone an idea of what you've got going on this weekend. Um, Clyde Barkley. It's like it's like I was thinking, you know, what was going on in 1979? Roger Staubach was still was getting ready for his final season with the Dallas Cowboys. Magic and Bird faced off in the NCAA championship game. Um, George Nye was the Oklahoma governor. He had just succeeded David Boren. Uh, so obviously that's a long time ago. And so I think, how many people do I know on the planet who are in the same at the same station in life exactly today that they were in 1979? I know mm -hmm. one guy, one guy, and it's Clyde Barkley, and he's the Inola basketball coach. And I had a brief exchange with him at the Tournament of Champions, and I just thought, I need to write about this guy. Yeah. And I knew a fraction then of what I know about him now. And so Clyde is a 43-year head coach at Inola. He is a cattle rancher in addition to being a basketball coach. His son is the head coach at Rogers State, Justin Barkley. His daughter-in-law is the athletic director at Union, Emily Barkley. Uh, it's a basketball family. His son-in-law is the Port Gibson head coach. So you, it's it's uh, Clyde's a really super interesting guy. His wife is sensational, and uh, so Mike Simons and I spent uh, early Tuesday morning at sunup. We were with the Barclays for to help them feed, not help them. We were there when they fed cattle. I wanted to help, but you know they wouldn't let me help. Uh, but when they fed their cattle that morning, uh, so you know you got this kind of a cool double life of cattle ranching in early in the morning and coaching basketball into the evening. And, you know, there's a reason that Inola plays its home games on Clyde Barkley Court because he is to that community kind of – he's an Eddie Sutton kind of guy mm -hmm. for that community. And and now that I've gotten to know him better, uh, really sweet guy, brilliant basketball guy, uh, couldn't be a nicer guy and then, until they – toss up the opening tip, uh -huh. and then he wants to win. And he just got his 700th win a few days ago. So, 700. Yeah. Hall of Fame guy. He's already in the Oklahoma Coaches Hall of Fame. So, uh, yes, he is the topic of my Sunday piece uh, this week. And and then you were writing about Chad Weiberg. And I guess the, uh, the transition into the new uh, – or, yeah, well, it is a transition, obviously. It's the, I'd say I, probably the better word is adjustment to uh, what, the, what the Big 12 is going to look like. I wonder, Garen, and maybe you've done some crunching, number crunching on this. I wonder where – because you have this massive gulf between OU and Texas up here with their budgets mm -hmm. and then the rest of the pack in the Big 12. I wonder where OSU – and I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm just kind of freelance, freestyling here. I wonder where OSU will rank with regard to athletic budget in the new Big 12, you know? Hmm. That so is a good question. Talk because, I mean, none of these newcomers are going to be at the $200 million level like going right. So uh, that alone should help OSU to some extent. Of course, you've got to, you know, Texas has shown just because you spend a lot of money didn't guarantee you anything. The resources, especially at BYU and UCF, because of size of school and then the the size of the uh, the Mormon, you know, former church, the Latter Day Saints Church, I would think 
I just off the top of my head without studying the figures because I haven't, I would think that they would rank, they'd actually rank higher than people imagine. Uh, I, Cincinnati and Houston, Houston's a major metropolitan area, but that doesn't mean the Cougars are operating with Texas budget, probably comparable to Oklahoma State. But, but, I, but I bet you that UCF and uh, BYU, and BYU in particular, would be intriguingly high. You know, the last time Gary and I got figures, we're, we better, uh, we, we're coming up on the uh, end of the line here. All right. But the last time I talked with Coach Holder about these numbers, uh, OU was roughly double OSU on athletics budget, the athletics budget, and Texas was about two and a half times mm -hmm. what OSU uh, was spending per year on athletics. So, um, and then o and then OSU's eight and three against Texas in football the last eleven years. So, makes sense of that. I'll just say this: Chad Weiberg is aware of the challenges you're describing. As a teaser to what I'm writing Sunday, he he does not make excuses for them or shy away from them. He embraces them, and that should be good news for an OSU fan base that isn't used to the athletic director and, the, let's be honest, the athletic director and the head football coach being on the same wavelength, right? Right. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. No, I've always said it was the most counterproductive situation I've ever seen is to have Mike Holder and Boone Pickens over here and Mike Gundy over here and, you know, come on. If you're not pulling, you know, at a place like Oklahoma State, if you're all not pulling what a – cliche you're not pulling the rope all together in the same direction right i mean it's just so silly and yet you know they kind of for the most part flourished in spite of that and mm -hmm. um so you no know, the weiberg gundy relationship is critically important and um i guess the question moving forward can they <clears throat> can they sustain the levels that they've had on season ticket sales right not a bedlam on the schedule because that has been – you can't overstate the importance of Bedlam football every other year on revenue generation at Oklahoma State. Mm -hmm. it's, it's by far the biggest piece in, in, in raising money for OSU is yep. the Bedlam game every other year. You don't have that anymore pretty soon. So how do you make up for that? Yep, and that it, it indirectly puts even more of, a, of an impetus on – OSU, alluding to something Gundy has said constantly throughout this past six months, taking a, a assuming a new position of, of power in, in the reimagined Big 12, because if you don't have if you don't have the Sooners to uh, or Texas, for that matter, to promote uh, in Texas case, well, both cases every other year, then you're left with uh, self-promotion as much as anything. And so you, you probably want to have a, a 10 to a 12 win team that you can prop up annually, not every five years, six years, but annually. And that's Amen. a charge That's a charge faces Mike Gundy. And that's a charge he, I think he's positioned himself to uh, to accept. So you are the sports writer of the year. Congratulations on that. I was Yay for me. <laughs> and, uh, so you get sports writer of the year, and I was a finalist along with you. You know what I got? I got a set of steak knives. That's <laughs> but I oh. needed steak knives, so I'm happy right. about that. So All I right, Alec Ball. All right, Alec Alec Baldwin appearing on the uh, on the pod, the vidcast. How about that movie for one of the underrated movies ever in my mind? Well, Good it, it, Glenn Ross is a, is an unsettlingly good movie. Yes, it is, and it'll be the best thing, despite all the other things he's done in his career. And lately, some of the things that Alec Baldwin has done, he regret, I would think. But it it remains the pinnacle. That that, that, that what, how long was he on screen? Maybe ten minutes. Uh, maybe. But that maybe, scene, yeah, that scene, uh, 
put down that coffee. <laughs> what was it? Put down that coffee or coffee, coffee for is for closers. There you go. There you go. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm happy you want it uh, very deservedly. I just hope, uh, I hope we don't, I hope we have another year that's as newsy as last year, but in a different way <laughs> and not during vacation season. No kidding. You know, or surgery season, whatever the case may be. <laughs> So, uh, but uh, I'm just happy that that award stays in the Tulsa World uh, office. And so let's just get back to work and win it again next year. Why not? Yeah. Maybe we'll win some for coverage of the PGA Championship next May. So, hey, that is going to be here in the blink of an eye. I know. Well, of course, we plan, we talked about it yesterday on our staff meeting. Yeah. And, um, Every day I say, we, I need to sit down and, and really start to sketch out some planning on that. And then the day goes and I yep. don't. Do, so it's showtime. We need to really start on that. I can't yep. wait for that either. Yep. Lots to look forward to. All yep. right, man. Good to see you again. Uh, Bill and I will be back to do this again next week. We'll review uh, any news that we need to cover and any columns that we need to preview. Until then, stay warm. And uh, we'll talk to you next week here on the Tulsa World uh, vidcast, as we're calling it.